to the Basketball Doctors Podcast. My name is Marco Lopez. I am a doctor of physical therapy and certified strength conditioning coach. My name is Gabe Ignacio. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Our goal is to empower our listeners with evidence-based information of all things basketball. That includes injuries, recovery, rehab, nutrition, sports performance, and training. We will be interviewing key influencers to help you become a more well-rounded athlete at any skill level. Now we have one question for you. Are you ready to ball for life? Let's get it. What's up, everyone? It's Gabe. It's Marco here. So we're doing something a little bit different this week with our episode with the podcast. We're going to kind of see how it goes, but essentially we're going to go over the topic for the week, um, which is ankle mobility. We're going to do a quick little roundup of the last two podcasts and what we learned from it and what we feel like you guys can take out of it, as well as prepare you guys for what's coming up in the next two podcasts. So Marco, do you mind introducing the topic for today and let's get after it. The topic today is ankle mobility. We always talk about it. I mean, as clinicians, like why ankle mobility is important. Gabe, can you start us off? Like, why is it important? Everyone talks about, oh, my, my ankles are stiff and everything. And everyone talks about ankle mobility, but why is it stiff? Why, why is it important? Yeah, I mean, basketball players are notorious for having really, really stiff ankles. I think it's something that, I don't know, it's just like something we did at a young age where we're always in shoes, stiffer shoes. The shoes kind of evolved over time. And then when your ankle gets tight from the lack of mobility and not being in that shoe, the biggest mobility deficit is like the ankle dorsiflexion range of motion, right? Like pointing your toes up toward your head. And when you lack that mobility, it, man, it just sets you up for poor movement mechanics, like your efficiency's off. And honestly, it like leads to a lot of like one overuse injuries and hopefully not, but it happens. Those big, bad, scary, uglies like ACL fractures, that type of stuff, dude. It's not fun. Yeah. I mean, I totally, totally agree with you. I mean, one of the biggest thing is like one of the tests that we actually use to return a sport is like that start excursion, you know, the anterior reach and meaning let's say Gabe's standing and he goes into like that single leg squat, reaches out in front of him as far out as he can. We actually have a good article on that, but that kind of measures close chain, meaning your foot down on the ground, dorsiflexion range of motion. And they've shown that if you have a difference between five centimeters between right and left, you're 2.5 times more likely to get hurt. And it's common, like Gabe says, everyone that sprains their ankle is going to lose some dorsiflexion range of motion. And if we lose that range of motion, usually, I don't know about you, Gabe, but back in the day when I sprained my ankle, I didn't go to rehab or anything. I just like just walk it off, right? I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like the more we just sprain our ankles recurrently, we lose more of that dorsiflexion range of motion. And we lose that. So one ankle is stiffer than the other. So when we land, we pivot, push off. It's not going to have that same push and it's going to throw it off. So I, honestly, I don't know about you, Gabe, we'll kind of get your thoughts, but I'd rather have two stiff ankles than one stiff ankle and one not as stiff. Or what do you think? Gabe? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. It's like, as long as it's your normal, um, your body will kind of learn and adjust by based on your normal. But if your normal was more flexibility and you sprained an ankle and you left that thing stay stiff, then that's just going to change your movement mechanics that you've been doing for X amount of years. And going back to what you're talking about, about like spraining your ankles, when I was balling, like all I did was that typical rice, rice uh, rest, yeah. ice, elevate, um, compression. 
And then what we all do is, okay, let's swole in and I can walk. Um, let's just go back on the basketball court. Like not even like work your way into it. Like I was playing, trying to play as many hours or as many games as I could. And that's honestly, that's what happens a lot of times. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, you had a pretty big ankle sprain too when we were playing that men's league. But I think like you mentioned, it's, I think the biggest thing is it's compared to your normal. So you don't want to compare yourself with other people. You want to see what's your normal in regards to, you know, if you're pretty flexible on both of them, that's your normal. But if one of them's off and the other one, we got to try to minimize that discrepancy, that asymmetry. Because basketball, you know, it's a one-legged sport. You're pushing off one leg, landing on one leg, jumping off with one or two legs. But we're changing this direction. So you want to have, we're going to have some asymmetries, meaning right and left differences. We want to minimize that as much as we can. You know, we're talking about, like, Gabe, you said you did that rice, you know, rest, ice, elevation, but then your ankle got stiff, right? For we weren't sure. able to dorsiflex. So yep. how do we improve that dorsiflexion range of motion as basketball players? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to gain that mobility back. Um, a lot of people have this conception that range of motion, mobility, flexibility are all like synonymous to each other. And what we were talking before and what we always educate people is that they're different, right? Um, which we will talk about in the future that we for sure need to let people know. But essentially, like lacking that range of motion um, will lead to lack of mobility uh, because one, you're either your muscles get tight, your tendon gets tight, your capsule or your joint itself gets tight, right? Um, and we address this in different facets with exercises, manual treatment, all the things that we do every day. Um, so that's what this week's about. We created a a post that you guys will see later um, through the blog posts and all our Instagram posts on different ways of addressing it. But what are coming to your favorite ways to work on, let's say muscle first? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, as much as everyone hates it, it's like foam rolling. Honestly, mm -hmm. like we got to, I use like a foam roller, lacrosse ball. I, I like to do, we'll go over it a lot on Instagram, but I like to do a little active release where we actually like loosen up the muscle by, you know, pointing the, the your toes towards you, so dorsiflect while you're releasing some of the muscles. What's your favorite one? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I really like using self-mobilizations if you don't have access to a therapist, obviously. I foam roll all the time. I use, like, the massage guns. I personally use the Hypervolt. Um, and after that, some, like, some static stretching or dynamic stretching, um, those are have very good value, even though we hate doing them. I get it. I'm a human person. Stretching is not the most fun thing to do, but man, it sucks when they say like, when you get older, you feel it, bro. And I, I like starting to feel like if I don't stretch, it makes a difference. No, hundred percent agree. I'm like getting into this like 10, 15 minute routine at night. It's just stretch out everything. Dude, you know, doing some self mobilization, like Gabe said, loosen up the muscle, then go into the static stretching as boring as, as it seems you, it helps, you know, after mm -hmm. we loosen it up. I know we talked about you know the muscle. What's your go-to joint, Gabe? Like how yeah. do we loosen up the joint? And it's kind of hard, you know. The best kind of news is have Gabe in there push on your joint <laughs> itself. But how can we do it ourselves? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to do. Um, it's not the most ideal way of doing it, but it is a way that I give my clients and patients all the time. With uh, if you have access to a strength band, that's honestly the best way to do it. Um, you get a foot up onto a stool, you have a little anchor point of the strength band, put that strength band right at that ankle crease. And then you go into like a little bit of dorsiflexion, essentially like lunging into it, different directions. You guys will have, see that in our Instagram posts, but 
that's kind of our favorite way of working on it. Yeah, for sure. And then once, like, like Gabe said, like once we work on the joint, we want to use that joint. So we like to do like some kind of activity right after it. So I like to do the functional reach where, you know, like Gabe said, you're driving that knee, doing that lunge position. So once you loosen up that joint, we've already loosened up the muscle. Now let's now use the new range of motion. It's like the, if you don't use it, you lose it. So we're trying to use that to maintain that range of motion, but we'll go, there's a bunch of videos that we posted on YouTube. And like Gabe said, this entire week, we're going to have a lot of content on Instagram, our blog as well, and our website regarding ankle mobility. But just to save you guys, the biggest thing is ankle mobility is crucial for basketball players, especially now with all the taping, we're actually restricting our range of motion more and more. So it's like ankle mobility is crucial. Yeah. I mean, even going off of that in the ankle joint, you also look just below that, like the foot and ankle or the foot joint itself or the, all the different joints in the feet. There is so many in there that are often overlooked and basketball players are also notorious for having really flat feet. And again, who is it environmental? Is it genetics? Whatever it is, it's the majority of the time when I get an athlete, I have them shoes off and I take a look at their foot posture and they're just like pancake down. Like that thing is flat, flat. Um, so that's another thing that we address a lot of times and looking above the joint, but those can go on for topics for days about looking above the joints and below the joints. But it's something that we need to address being in that, like you were saying, people always just get their ankles taped stiffer, stiffer, stiffer. And that ankle joint isn't supposed to be that stiff. 100% agree. And just taking off the athlete's shoes. I mean, the socks, now the, the new Nike dry fit, all these socks are like so heavenly padded. I feel like I jump with those socks. So they have to provide so much cushion. Sometimes you want to have them barefoot and just have them move around, feel the ground, and just kind of work the new range of motion, mobility, work each foot, get it going from there. Yeah, I think I heard a great analogy from uh, Paul Favorite's PF, PJF performance, where it's like you're imagine trying to type with like garden gloves on it would be super hard and imagine you're doing that for x amount of years that's pretty much what you're doing when you wear those thick socks and like really stiff shoes that if you don't ever train those sensations and those motor control on your feet you're never going to learn it and i see it all the time with my athletes they're like trying to stay balanced on their feet without shoes and they're like why am i falling over you know yeah i love that i haven't haven't heard that that's a great analogy yeah. we brought a lot of material on ankle mobility if you guys have any questions let us know we're happy to answer any of those but Gabe let's just talk have like a weekly roundup regarding to our previous two podcasts so what do what did he learn from squat 101 with Brandon Joyner yeah I mean you hosted it with him I listen to all our podcasts <laughs> and obviously the squatting is a fundamental movement that every athlete every person should be able to do not only just in basketball but Honestly, if you can't squat, um, you're doing something very wrong and you should definitely see somebody or find out why you can't do a squat. Um, And relating back to our post, how do you feel like the ankle mobility plays into squatting? I mean, just to kind of recap what you said, I love how you said it's a fundamental movement. I mean, every time you go to the restroom, you're squatting. Every time you're doing everything, you're squatting. I hate when people say squats are bad for your knees. I think you need to run away from that person and just make sure you find out how we can make the squat work for you. You mentioned like ankle mobility is huge. I mean, especially with basketball players are tall, ankles are stiff, like we mentioned. So ankle mobility is huge to get into that deeper squat position. 
we talk about, there's ways that sometimes if we're working on range of motion, we don't get it there, but we want to squat them deep. We'll just elevate his foot, you know, put a little, a little bandaid crutch on them, meaning like we put a little weight plate in the back on their heels and elevate their foot in order for them to squat deeper. And, and just to tell the athlete, be like, look, we just add a little one inch difference and you can squat way deeper. And you've probably seen those in weightlifting shoes with those big platforms. I know Gabe uses those to weightlift. Yeah. Trying to get my Olympic lifting better, trying to get low. My ankle mobility is not the greatest, so I need a little bit of assistance there. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's squatting is important. We could go on days for the variations of squatting, like how deep you should squat. Uh, it's kind of what uh, you guys go over in that podcast. So if you guys want more information, listen to there or reach out to us. Um, we can definitely talk about that for so long. So um, anything else you want to that you got out of it that you want to let our audience know? I think you got the main points. I mean, the podcast is a great listen to just to learn, you know, as a coach and athlete, like why the squat is important, like Gabe mentioned, and how to like certain cues that we could do to, for you to be able to perform the squat. I mean, one thing is like we talked with Brand. I talked to Brandon with is we have to teach him how to squat deep, even without weight, just be able to get into that position then we could just go into box squats, anything else, but let's just get them squatting the ape. And my biggest takeaway is let's start them with the goblet squat. Sometimes, you know, give them that confidence to go pretty deep and just get their hips moving and everything. It's a great, great exercise. Yeah. And we could argue back and forth about yeah. depth and especially with taller basketball players, like do they really need to squat that deep, all that stuff. So like I said, there's numerous arguments either way, just know the why behind what you're doing is the key thing to take out of it that's there's no bad exercise it's bad programming or bad prescription um so leading on um the other podcast that you recorded with adam uh huge topic again something we could talk days about but you guys covered acl and the research behind it any big takeaways that uh you want our audience to know like gabe said acl is a huge topic and we're going to talk about that down the line as well it's humongous so the biggest thing is we see knee valgus all the time and me and adam discussed this when we're playing basketball you know our knees gonna come in it's natural sometimes you know but the biggest thing is it good or bad well it depends you know we want to it's like a spectrum we want to decrease the risk for injury but also improve their performance or maintain their performance so we're in this spectrum of like should we fix it or we shouldn't fix it and that's what we go on the podcast but the biggest thing is I tend, as a physical therapist and strength coach, I tend to be in the caution side. I rather have, I tell people, if you're driving, I rather have a seatbelt on you. And I want to minimize that knee valgus just because everything that we learned in school, uh, you know, from Dr. Powers, everything, is we want to minimize knee valgus, especially the landing and the decelerating because that's where all the ACL injuries occur. What do you think about that, Gabe? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the rapid deceleration or that landing mechanics is usually when most people get injured and like Kenny was saying basketball you're you're also not doing a favor to your clients or whoever you're working with by not wanting to train it I know you train it we train it all the time where that knee valgus is going to happen you see it with like the top players where to perform better they're going in that range of motion right like when you do that drop step into the crossover your knee that back leg is like way internally rotated adducted or like that knee's almost touching the ground and you want to learn how to control those when you are in that range of motion so um 
obviously, first off, you want to train them out of it, but it's going to be there just like anything, like your knees are going to go over your toes type of thing. You want to be able to control that motion and have the ability to get back into a proper position. Yeah, 100% agree. It's just being able to control that motion and just be comfortable in that position. We just don't want to be consistently diving involuntarily, not controlling yeah. into that knee balance. So that's just, I mean, that's how you tear your ACL pretty much. Yeah. Your knee's coming in, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great listen for anyone that's going through ACL, any clinician or coach, because we try to bridge the gap between the research and the actual stuff that we do, you know, in the clinic. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then a little teaser for what's coming up, uh, our next podcast. I did one with a good friend of mine back in undergrad. His name is Ernie De Los Angeles. He is a strength and conditioning coach with the G League at in the Kings. So he's up in Stockton, Sacramento. Uh, he pretty much goes into like what life is like being a trainer and kind of his journey from getting to school and getting internships and leading up to there. So it'd be a good listen if you're ever interested in that type of stuff and getting into that profession. Um, and then Marco. Yeah. And then our, our following episode that's going to come later that week is with Brianna Butler. She's actually a fellow USC Trojan as well. Fight on. She played college basketball at USC and she's a registered dietitian, former WNBA player. And she's talking about performance meals and timing of the meals, when you should eat, what you should eat and what time. So it's a great listen for any of you guys regarding like nutrition that want to really step up your nutrition and not eat like hot Cheetos after a game or anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy how small the world is, right? Like you met her through someone you knew and then it ended up being that Bree and Ernie knew each other from the Kings at one point. They worked for each other for a little while and it's crazy, right? Yeah, such a small world, such a small world. Um, so that's pretty much the episode. Um, hope you guys learned a lot from that. We will be including on all our media notes the links to different things that we'll be coming out with, like our blog posts, Instagram, Facebook posts, and just take a look at it. Um, Definitely some valuable information. Like I said, this week is on ankle mobility, something that basketball players need and honestly everybody needs, especially me. 